You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Graduate school can appear to be a mystifying process with a seemingly endless row of hoops to jump through, such as applying, studying, researching, and writing a dissertation of your own. The English department is helping to give us a peek behind the curtain of graduate school as we speak to Andrea Holliger and Seth Lee, two English graduate students. In this interview, Holliger and Lee discuss their experiences, tips, and tricks regarding graduate school, research, and writing dissertations. I'm Andrea Holliger. I study antebellum American literature, and I'm in my sixth year. I'm Dr. Seth Lee, uh, just recently Dr. Seth, which is kind of nice. I just completed my dissertation, uh, it was my sixth year doing that. I studied the influence of exile on uh, 16th century British literature. Can you sort of elaborate on what your topic really is, like what you were looking at and what angle you were going for in your research? Uh, well, as I mentioned, I, I studied the effect of exile on British literature in the 16th century. More specifically, what I was interested in looking at was how or why there were so many secondary scholars who would write or would mention a particularly influential text or a particularly influential author, and then there would very often be this kind of aside where they would say, and this person was in exile, or this particular text was published in exile. And so I decided to focus on my dissertation as to what the effect of being kind of on the margins of a dominant culture I had on the prose and poetry of the 16th century in particular, particularly the literature of Reformation. So what my project kind of discovered, I suppose, or, or uncovered, was what I've come to call a, a mind of exile. It's present at the very end of the Middle Ages and sort of develops throughout the Reformation, where a figure who stands at kind of a liminal position or at the, uh, at the margins of society writes or talks about themselves as having the ability to see more clearly or the ability to recognize narratives of truth and falsehood of national identity and self-identity in a way that is distinctly different from the more mainstream authors, or not mainstream, but the, the authors who haven't experienced this form of exile. I write about domestic servitude in the antebellum United States, so that's domestic servitude, which excludes forms of unfree labor like slavery and indentured servitude. And I argue that a culture in which servitude is a day-to-day reality has a different mindset towards labor in the body than a culture in which that is not the case. I call that a culture of servitude. And I'm tracing really how that culture disappeared towards the Civil War So whereas today, we would never ask ourselves the question, the rhetorical question, what does a servant owe their master? That's not a question that has purchase in our lives. That question had profound purchase for most of human history. The fact that it has disappeared is astonishing, I would say. Describe the steps of the dissertation process. How does it work? During your coursework, the process is to just notice what keeps coming up. Pay attention to the questions you keep having. Try to like follow that train if it seems like something interesting. You take your exams. Um, you sit down and write a prospectus, which is just your best shot at a dissertation abstract, kind of. 
And then in my experience, you just start with a chapter and you just you just keep writing. What about you, Seth? <laughs> yeah, no, just keep writing. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I guess the more, I guess, technical aspects of it is most people tend to write maybe four or five chapters as a, as a general rule. Uh, for myself, I didn't actually see the overall arch of my dissertation's argument until I hit about chapter two and a half. <laughs> uh, and that was when I started seeing the connections between my own ideas and that allowed me to formulate that sort of overarching discussion uh, that uh, occurred in the dissertation itself. But in my committee, at least, the process itself was I would draft a chapter probably maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 pages for the first draft, which would go to my chair, and he would read it and offer me a bunch of feedback. And I'd go back, and I would expand that out to somewhere between about maybe 25 and 30, upwards of 35 pages. And he'd look at it a second time, and at that point, it would either go for some additional revision or would go out to the rest of the committee. And then once the committee had commented on it, I would get it back and sort of make more holistic revisions. What sort of systems do you use to stay organized? I mean, it sounds like you're probably, you probably have kind of different approaches to like, the writing itself. In, in my opinion, every graduate student needs three things. They need Zotero, which is a free bibliographic database manager. They need Evernote, which is the greatest thing ever and should just be <laughs> on everyone's list. Uh, and they need iAnnotate, which is this fantastic app uh, that lets you uh, annotate uh, PDF files and do all that. Those are, are my go-to things. I also use Evernote. I have a, a note, as they're called, for every book that I read, primary and secondary. Um, everyone gets an Evernote note. Uh, I transcribe the things I've underlined or highlighted. And then every dissertation chapter also has a note where I pull quotes that I think will be useful or just jot down um, random things that come into my head. Mm -hmm. But I, in addition to those electronic things, I also rely on longhand for some inspirational moments. I keep like a nice hardbound journal always, always, always with me. Um, and as I'm reading, I will underline, highlight, flag, but also make notes to myself in that journal. And then the really strange thing that I do is during brainstorming, I put just kind of all my thoughts on little scraps of paper and I like visually arrange them on the floor or on a giant table in the library. This is mostly when people think I'm losing my mind. Um, and then I just keep those little scraps of paper until the chapter is done. And that helps me organize not just notes, but actual thoughts. Did anybody give you really good advice during the process? And if so, what did they tell you? Yeah, my advisor, um, there's kind of this idea floating around that you have to be researching and writing at the exact same time, which I just find impossible. I can't write every single day. And my advisor said to me, you know, it doesn't matter if you're reading or writing, so long as you're doing one, and you ultimately do both. <laughs> you know? So that was really the most liberating advice that I received that really let me develop my own process and actually make progress. 
Yeah, it, the, the two best bits of advice that have stuck with me, one, one came from a, a colleague who's not actually on my committee, but um, his advice was it, the dissertation doesn't necessarily have to be brilliant, but it does have to be done. And that's not to say that the work that you do should be kind of secondary or, or not the best work that you can produce, but it's really easy to get caught up in this pursuit of perfection because, if, let's face it, if you're pursuing a PhD, you're probably something of an overachiever and you know, a little bit manic and detail-focused. Um, and so to have someone say, yeah, you know, this, this doesn't have to uh, be the ultimate refined version of your entire life's you know, scholarship or whatever, but it is something that you have to get finished. Um, is one of the things that, that helped me kind of just move through the process is it, it, it took some of that pressure of perfection off. Uh, and the other thing came from a member of my committee who said, don't forget that um, you do other things in your life besides this too. So it's also very easy to get into this little bubble where all you do is work and write and, and do all that and you can get burned out. So she reminded me that it's okay to take a weekend off or Go spend time with your significant other. It's something that gives you an escape for a little bit from your own head. What did you think this was going to be like before you did it? And how does that compare to how it really was? You go with that. Yeah, I'll jump in, I'll jump in on that one. I, I think I had this kind of utopian idea coming into graduate school that, you know, I was going to sit around and I was going to read Shakespeare or read you know, some critical theorist and, and sit around and drink wine and talk about it all day, which happens on occasion, I have to say. But at the same time, what surprised me so much about it was just how much work it is. I mean, this there, there's a reason why it's called a discipline, you know, and um, I was not prepared when I came into graduate school for the notion that I wouldn't just be consuming knowledge, but I would be having to produce meaningful knowledge. And there's a huge difference between those two things. Having to sit down and write something and give it to a group of people who might hand it back and say, well, yeah, but you know, five other people have already talked about this. What do you have to say about it kind of thing? That was, that was a big um, intellectual shift for me. Yeah, I was um, lucky. My undergrad had a really excellent honors thesis program so the last semester of my senior year I spent the entire semester writing a thesis and so in terms of what the writing process would look like that was the experience that made me want to come to grad school because I knew it would be sitting in the library getting nowhere having a breakthrough getting somewhere stepping backwards etc so I I knew what that would look like for me um, however, I didn't understand how much graduate school would involve other kinds of work. So I knew that it would involve teaching, and I grew up in a family of teachers, so I knew what lesson planning looked like, and I knew that that would be really hard and really time-consuming. But I didn't know about all the applications and the fellowships and the conferences and writing abstracts. That, to me, was the bigger surprise not just writing a dissertation, not just being a teacher and holding office hours and creating lesson plans, but the additional professionalization work that would be involved. And that's where I can get the most discouraged just because I'll send in what I think is a fantastic abstract 
and you will get literally no response whatsoever. Right. You don't even get told that you don't get chosen, you just get nothing. Yeah. That to me was the surprise about how to stay motivated with the perpetual and consistent rejection punctuated by moments of acceptance. That, that was what I had to, to learn to deal with. <laughs> Do you have any advice or like tips or like people to know in the English department or like anything that you would like recommend or just like kind of have to say upon reflection on this process? I would say it doesn't appear that it will relate directly to the dissertation process, but it does, is that from the moment you set foot in graduate school as a master's or a PhD candidate, or even as an advanced undergrad, go to every lecture, every talk, every every event that your department puts on. That is my number one piece of advice that I give to people. And the reason I say that is because by exposing yourself to any academic discussion whatsoever held by peers, which the faculty are, then you're just broadening your understanding of what successful academic argument sounds like and I would continue that throughout graduate school forever probably your entire career that I think is one of the main things that helped me it also helps the department to remember your face you get to know the faculty they know who you are that's always a good thing too I would also suggest that you think long and hard about graduate school. Don't just jump into it arbitrarily. I mean, if you've made even a cursory glance of uh, Inside Higher Ed or the Chronicle of Higher Education, you know that the humanities in particular has a really bleak job outlook. And I know that sounds cynical, and, and don't let that put you off, because there is there are jobs out there. There um, is plenty of work that you can do with advanced degrees in the humanities. Uh, so don't let that stop you from going, but go into it kind of knowing that it's going to be an uphill battle uh, for a good portion of the way. Um, and especially if you're thinking about going into PhD work, make sure that you like teaching <laughs> because you're going to do a lot of it. And if you don't enjoy being in front of a classroom, it's not for you. The tenure track position where you research and teach one class a semester, it, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, this is, it is on its way out and a rarity even as we speak. So don't go in with the assumption that you can just grit your teeth and get through teaching and when you finish up, you're going to find this nice job where you only have to deal with students once every semester. It's not going to happen. Um, love it. Love being in front of the classroom. Um, so that, yeah, I guess my advice would be kind of go in that, go into it with your eyes open. It's also a good idea if you have a significant other to, to be in conversation with them because they're going to be coming along with you and um, there are going to be times when you are going to be required essentially to closet yourself away in a room and read and write uh, for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it happens to be and your significant other is, is going to still be there and so he or she needs to be aware that um, they're going to have to share you a little bit with your committee, and, and some people aren't aren't okay with that. So, you know, uh, have that conversation as well. But to end on a positive note, <laughs> so, um, if you love it, you're going to have a blast 
I mean, it's if you love research, if you love teaching, if you enjoy writing and, and literature, I can't think of anything else that, that would be as fulfilling for me as what I'm doing right now. Thank you for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of English for making this podcast possible. 